passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 173, For the Love of the Game, is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for all the major sports, including Major League Baseball. We're in the thick of things in September right now. Football season is right around the corner. Basically, week one is this coming weekend. College football started up. We even have NBA futures and much more more head to our website use your mobile device sign up today and get your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit use promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to get your bonus again it's promo code believe get 50 percent on your first deposit bet online where the game starts with that said episode 173 for the love of the game let's get this yeah why i'm seeing believe that stunner what it is you already know young Welcome back. Episode 173 for the love of the game coming to you on a Monday, Labor Day Monday. Hope everybody's enjoying their Labor Day weekend, final weekend of summer. The weather in New York really didn't cooperate so much, but luckily for me, somebody who lives in Miami most of the year, you get to take advantage of summertime weather all year round. I hope everybody's having themselves a great Labor Day weekend, a great holiday weekend, enjoying all the festivities, uh, doing all that good stuff. A lot of stuff to talk about in sports right now. College football week one kicked off. We had some craziness. I mean, capped off by the LSU-Florida State finish, which is absolutely nuts. We're going to talk about the NFL on this show. We're going to talk about the AFC part two from last week. We did the NFC last week. We're going to do the AFC this week. But a couple of things got to get off my chest. And yes, I will talk about the Knicks not landing Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell getting traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just give me a second, all right? Wanted to kick off with the U.S. Open. My guy, Nick Kyrgios, last night, 
reached the round of 16 for the U.S. Open for the third time ever. He's never really done well at the U.S. Open, but he was absolutely dominant last night. He beat number one seed Daniel Medvedev 7-6-3-6-6-3-6-2, and he was so dominant and took Medvedev's soul in that match that in the third set, Medvedev made one unforced error. One unforced error. I mean, he played a clean match and got absolutely demolished. I mean, Kyrgios was incredible. Absolutely incredible. The first serve was dynamite, except for in the, the second set in his first service game where he double faulted three times and basically was like, eh, we're going to punt this one away and focus on sets three and four. But man, just the talent that that guy oozes is nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Is he a complete wild card? Yes. He's not. He basically gave away a break point last night just trying to showboat. It was madness, absolute madness. But I can't get enough of the guy. I can't get enough of the guy, and I really hope he takes home the whole thing. It would be just awesome. So, yeah, Nick Kyrgios on to the next round of the U.S. Open. As we speak, Rafael Nadal is playing Francis Tiafo, which is a fun match. Carlos Alcaraz is playing tonight. Good stuff at the U.S. Open, even though Djokovic hasn't been in it. It's been a fun tournament so far. The New York Yankees, well, the roller coaster ride continues. They got bailed out yesterday by a cold strike three in Tampa Bay, salvaging the final game. Luckily for them, they always beat up on the Minnesota Twins. They won today 5-2. Aaron Judge is absolutely ridiculous. He's now up to 54 home runs. I mean, no one has ever bet on themselves and cashed in more than Aaron Judge. I don't think anybody in the history of sports has done it the way Aaron Judge has done it. I mean... He may get $50 million a year, $50 million a year. Now, I was on record saying I don't think the Yankees are going to give him seven years. I'm not as confident in that prediction right now, to say the least, because where the hell would they be without him? He's basically a one-man wrecking crew. Against the Tampa Bay Rays, they scored a total of three runs all weekend, and he had two home runs. I don't understand why anybody just doesn't walk him every time he gets to the plate. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But the Yankees win 5-2. They always beat up on the Twins. No matter how bad the Yankees are, they beat up on the Twins. So they still maintain a five-game lead in the division. We'll see. The Mets, well, it's going to be a dogfight with the Braves coming down the stretch. It's going to be interesting to see what happens September baseball. Interesting September baseball for the New York teams. But Aaron Judge very easily could hit 62 home runs. And my goodness, did, did the man cash in on himself. Just incredible. All right. So I was going to open up this episode with the Donovan Mitchell rant. But Kyrgios did enough to really get my attention. Aaron Judge is having a ridiculous season and the tear continued this weekend. But it's time. So for weeks, for months, the New York Knicks were rumored to be the front runner for acquiring Donovan Mitchell in a trade. Donovan Mitchell is a New York kid. Grew up in Westchester, I believe. His father works for the New York Mets. All the stars were aligning. The Knicks had the draft capital. They had the young players. And it was only a matter of time. I believe this to a certain degree. 
All Knicks fans believe this to various degrees. And the Knicks got cute. And I said it on last episode. When the Knicks signed R.J. Barrett to that contract, which again, at the surface is not a bad contract. But because of the poison pill, it made it hard to trade him in the deal for Donovan Mitchell. I always said from the beginning that any trade for Donovan Mitchell was going to include R.J. Barrett. That proved to be true because the Utah Jazz wanted R.J. Barrett, which is understandable because he's 21 years old and shows promise, right? And even though they had to pay him, well, they have to pay somebody, okay? And he fits their timeline. So this notion that they don't want to pay him, nonsense. If you believe that, you're an idiot, okay? And you don't have an understanding of how things work in the NBA and how trades are made. But the Knicks were pussyfooting around, pussyfooting around. Apparently their last offer was Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, and two unprotected first round picks. And because they pussyfooted around, Danny Ainge decided, you know what? Gonna find somebody else. Gonna find somebody else. And that somebody else was the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cavaliers swoop in and send Laurie Markkinen, Ache Abaji, the rookie that they just drafted, Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks in 25, 27, 29, and two pick swaps, 26 and 28 for Donovan Mitchell. And the Knicks don't get their guy. Now, people are going to tell me that's a heavy price to pay. It is. But Donovan Mitchell is turning 26, and he's an all-NBA caliber guard who is fourth in the past five years in fourth quarter scoring. Basically, what he does is the hardest thing to find in the NBA. It's the rarest commodity. The rarest, rarest commodity. That when you go into a playoff series, you have a guy who can get you a bucket late in the game, and he showed over his brief career that he's already been able to do that in the playoffs. Did he get exposed on defense last season? Yeah. Did I like that? No. Would I like him to focus a little bit more on the defensive end? Yes. Is Donovan Mitchell perfect? No. But he would have made the Knicks a hell of a lot better. So you could say, well, Cleveland basically didn't take the better offer because you would say out of all those players, R.J. Barrett's the best player in the deal. I would say that's correct. I would say Emmanuel quickly is better, you know, than Agbaji and Laurie Markin, and I would say that's correct. Then why did Cleveland take the deal? Because they wanted the picks, all right? They wanted R.J. Barrett and some level of picks and a young player from the Knicks. So my question to you is, if you're the Knicks and you knew that Danny Ainge was going to make you pay a tax because basically it's been rumored for weeks and months that Mitchell was going to New York, that Danny Ainge was going to make you pay for it, and you tried to strong arm him, and you lost because, again, in all these negotiations, the team with the best player in the trade always has the leverage. Don't ever, ever think otherwise. They always have the leverage. Why didn't the Knicks just pay the tax? Just give the extra unprotected pick. Who cares at that point? Who cares? Why should you not care? Why should the Knicks not have cared? Because they already paid 
Jalen Brunson, $25 million a year, who's never going to be one of the 10 best point guards in the league. Not the 10 best players at his own position. If you're going to pay that guy that chunk of the salary cap, you better have the dude who's better than him on the roster. Donovan Mitchell would have qualified for that. So now the Knicks are stuck paying Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett $340 million. You know where that gets you? That gets you nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. With Donovan Mitchell on the roster, that's already a name and a move that leads to other moves because of the cachet that he has around the league. And I hear Nick fans like, we didn't want to trade R.J. Barrett. We didn't want to trade R.J. Barrett. We think he's great. And, and again, I see all these graphics on Twitter of R.J. Barrett in comparison to other players at his age. And I'm just like, okay, great. I don't see it. Knicks fans talk about R.J. Barrett like he's the second coming of LeBron James. If he turns out to be Chris Middleton, that's a great career. You know who's a lot better than Chris Middleton? Donovan Mitchell. And it was rumored to be said that Danny Ainge didn't like Leon Rose basically scouting Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson, basically showing up to all their games in their first round playoff series. I'm sure that probably pissed them off. So now a guy you gave the keys to because he had all these contacts from CAA and you've come up with nothing. The best you can do is paying R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, and his father, you know, he's on the staff, and Julius Randle, $340 million, and basically nobody in the league fucks with Leon Rose because they think he's a jerk. Well, isn't that just dandy? So where the hell are the Knicks going? Where are they going? Nowhere. The answer is Nowhere. This was malpractice by the front office. And to all the Knicks fans who believe that, you know, just hold hold your draft capital. Hold on for the next player that's a little bit better than Donovan Mitchell. When has that worked for this franchise in the last 15 years? It hasn't. It hasn't. It's just malpractice. Malpractice by the front office. They pussyfooted around and they got burned. And now the Knicks, who their best assets are young players, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, R.J. Barrett, all these guys who are deemed untradeable, play for a coach who hates playing young players. A coach who at his press conference last year said that Alec Burks, and he said it with a straight face, Alec Burks is the best option at point guard for the New York Knicks. That's what we have running the show. A goddamn clown show. That's what this team is right now. That's what this organization is right now. So you're going to go into the year running it back with Evan Fournier, Derek Rose playing heavy minutes, Julius Randle trying to do his ISO Julius bullshit. Obi Toppin's going to get less than 15 minutes a game again. 
We're just going to run it back. 32 wins. This team is a clown show, okay? So you missed out on Donovan Mitchell. You can't really cry over spilled milk, all right? So we're done with that. So what has to happen next for this team to be deemed a competent franchise? You have to force Tibbs' hand to play the young guys. Fournier has to go. Randall has to go. Derrick Rose has to go. These guys have to go. If you have to attach a pick to Randall, you do it because you sure as shit didn't want to attach, you know, that extra pick to get the all-NBA caliber guy who's 26 years old who wanted to be here by all accounts because that makes so much sense. And you have to fire the coach. You have to fire the coach. Just an absolute clown show, a, a mess, an absolute hatchet job for something that they basically had on a silver platter the day the Jazz season ended. And for all those who are trying to pick nits with Donovan Mitchell, and I get it, the defense wasn't great last year. I get it. And the record without Donovan Mitchell was what it was last year. If you argue with me with a straight face that Rudy Gobert was the best player in the Jazz, I, we can't have this argument. We can't talk. Rudy Gobert can't catch an entry pass. Don't Donovan Mitchell scored over 50 in a playoff game. Stop it. Just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. From the day he was drafted, he was the best player on a team that won 50 games every single year. A year where Paul George was a top three MVP candidate and Russell Westbrook was still good and he wasn't a laughing stock like he is now. Donovan Mitchell was the best player in that playoff series. Malpractice. That's what this was by the New York Knicks front office. Malpractice. And at a certain point, I know we talk about James Dolan not meddling because he has a history of meddling and being a disaster. This was one of those times where James Dolan should have said to Leon Rose, pay the damn tax, give the extra unprotected first round pick and be done with already. It's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. It's a clown show. I, I can't put it any simpler than that. And with that said, we're going to switch our attention to the NFL. We're going to do AFC preview with a recurring guest. He was on last week, Shia Elberger. We're going to get to him in just a matter of moments. I mentioned in the monologue, it's part two, football preview. Shai Elberger is back recording on a Labor Day Monday. Shai, what's good? How was your weekend? Weekend was good. Uh, I feel like there's it's a little Labor Day weekend always a little bittersweet because it feels like it signifies the end of summer, but it signifies the start of football season at the same time. So overall, feeling good. It always makes me depressed. Always makes me depressed. <laughs> but the beauty of living in South Florida throughout the years, you get to take advantage of summer weather more than 75% of the year. So it's great. Yeah, I, I hear that. It's it's perfect for you. I I really value summer because it's it's such a small part of the year. So, you know, I, I look at it that way. But fall weather to me is the best anyway. September, October is where it's at. So let's jump right in. We're going to talk about the AFC, um, the big boy conference. We mentioned it on last episode. Like, can you remember a time where one conference was just so strong top to bottom? Because you can make a case if you're going through all the teams – you can make a good case for eight or nine playoff teams. 
Yeah, you can uh, compared to the NFC where you're like you you're, struggle you're to get to for seven. the seventh. Yep, um, and that's even you know you say that with the AFC and it's almost like that's a sure thing that there's going to be eight or nine good teams. That doesn't even account for the possibilities. I feel like of a team like Miami actually being good. Like people think they'll be good, but I don't know if you're including them in a playoff spot. But I included them in the eight or nine. You, you can make a case in the eight or nine. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh is another one I feel like could just be better than people are expecting. Um, and, uh, you know, the AFC West could legitimately have four playoff teams. You know, the Raiders could, could be a seven seed when if, if, if they're in the NFC, they, they could have been a four seed. So, yeah, no, I, I don't remember a recent year where it's, it seems like one conference is uh, so much better than the other. We'll get to the Raiders in a second because they're one of actually my favorite over-under bets. So let, let's start with the uh, – before we go into the divisions, you know, there's a, a New York team because we're tri-state area boys uh, that plays in the AFC, the New York Jets. If I told you that the Jets were better than the Giants but had a worse record because of the conference they played in, say the Giants went – Six and eleven, and the Jets went five and twelve. But heads up, the Jets were a lot better than the Giants. What would you say? I uh, could see that as a plausible uh, outcome. Um, the Jets and the Giants are are almost pretty similar in terms of the situations they find themselves in, with the Jets being like one year ahead. So obviously they have Zach Wilson. He's going into year uh, two. His rookie season was. You know, up and down at best, uh, but bad at worst. Uh, and, like, so for the Giants, it's it's Daniel Jones. He's obviously not going into year two. He's going into year four. But if for both quarterbacks, it's essentially make or break. For Jones, it is definitely. Uh, for Wilson, you know, if he has a bad season or he misses another chunk with more injuries and the Jets are picking top six again, like, do they replace Zach Wilson? Um you know, it's uh, for both quarterbacks, it's a similar situation. The Jets have a lot of young talent that they've stockpiled over the last few years. And, you know, we know it doesn't always work out for every player that you think, you know, based on their rookie or second year that they're going to break out. But, you know, they have a lot of guys that that could happen to. So Elijah Moore is good. Uh, they just drafted Garrett Wilson. You know, top 10 receivers getting picked recently have been – ultimately good. pretty good like early on you know and even you know the next few years um their offensive line is pretty good their defense they you know carl lawson towards achilles last summer that was a huge loss for them he was a big free agent signing he's back this year Quinny williams is good cj mosley uh sauce gardner the other rookie they drafted like he looks legit so the jets have a lot of young talent um but to the initial point the afc is just so much harder uh, and the Jets' schedule is so much harder than the Giants' schedule based on projected win totals that you could definitely see the Jets showing a lot of potential but ending up with, you know, four or five wins, uh, whereas the Giants get to six because, you know, they played – they beat Seattle, the Bears, the Texans, uh, the Jaguars, you know, and, and the Commanders once, and they, you know, get to six wins that way. For the record, I don't think the Giants are getting six wins – um, but whatever, even though I did take a look at them against the spread against Tennessee this week, I took a decent look and it may be a good teaser game in the reverse, but we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. I think Joe Douglas has done a good job for the jets and I, I'm just 
curious to know what they think success will be this year, given the way the AFC is. Because if they show competency, I'm not sure the wins and loss records should matter this year. Next year, it's going to have to matter. At a certain point, it's going to have to matter. But I'm not sure this is the year for it to matter. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't think, you know, there's no, like, you know, eight-win mandate that anyone has put on the Jets. Um, the question, and it's applied to the Giants also the last several years, is, like, going into this season, what do you have to see from blah, 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 or what has to happen? And I just feel like it's it's – like the predictions you make before the season are very specific. Like you could say, I want Wilson to throw for 4,000 yards and a two to one turnover rate ratio, a touchdown inter- uh, turnover ratio. But like then the season unfolds and so many different variables happen during the season where it's like, yeah, Wilson could play really well, but he also only played nine games because he hurt his knee again or he got something or you know, he played, his stats weren't great, but, you know, four interceptions went through people's hands and the offensive line was decimated and, and whatever. Like, there, there's just so many different things happen where, like, you just have to evaluate with what you see every week instead of, in my opinion, like, having a set thing at the beginning of the season, like, what has to happen. Yeah, it's... I, uh, I think I think overall they just want to get to a place where... They can feel good. They can feel good that there's something to build on. Right. You you don't want them to feel like they have to now draft a quarterback like the Cardinals felt after Rosen. Um, That's obviously the extreme example. But, like, you want to feel comfortable that you can draft another position because Wilson showed enough in year two where you're like, he's still our guy. Listen, Josh Allen didn't pop off till year three anyway. Right. Right. You know, so and, uh, you just you gotta you, you gotta so the the young quarterbacks you really have to just put such a good and solid team around them. Otherwise, unless you're like the top top, but like even Mahomes like has a had a great team since he he got in. Uh, it's just hard for a guy to to do well if the team around them is so bad. So let's uh, jump right in. We'll we'll stay in the AFC East. Uh, how do you see the division uh, playing out one through four? Uh, I think the Bills are probably a very obvious one. Um, It's so – I feel like I'm going against a a commandment of, like, taking the Patriots to not at least be second even. But there's just so many bad vibes going on with that No, I'm there. I'm right there with you. I've got Miami second I still don't feel – I still don't feel confident. Like, it's going to be like Thanksgiving and the Pats are going to be, like, eight and five and Miami will be six and six and we'll be like – why did we ever down New England? But Miami just seems to have a much better team. Uh, and I like kind of under the radar, really like the Miami coach, like personality wise. Um, so I'll take them second. Uh, Patriots three, Jets four. That's what I have. Um, I've got the Bills, Dolphins, Pats, Jets. So let's go over the over-unders. Bills, over-under, 11 and a half. What say you? Over. I've got the over as well. Miami, over under eight and a half. And so interesting because the Bills can really easily lose the, this Thursday night against the Rams. And, you know, oh, and one. Which is, is a weird great. line, by the way. They're, they're a yeah, two, two and, and a half, half point favorite on the road against LA. the defending champions. I, I, agree. I don't like that line. Every, I've heard multiple people say it's a weird line, which now makes me even nervous that, like, everyone's going to take the Rams and the Bills will cover. But, I'm uh, stay, like, oh, I'm and one. Oh, and one when you have over 11 and a half is not great. 
Um, no, okay, who was second? Miami, over under eight and a half. Um, I guess I'd have to logically go over if I think they'll be second. Uh, nine, nine is probably doable. Correct. I have also. I just over as well. I, just, I have no feel on on Tua. Like I'm inclined to say he's not good, but I also like didn't. Re- I don't watch college football, and he was incredible in college. So I just like I have to allow the possibility that Tua like plays well this year, and that's just a possible thing. And the coach has been around successful quarterbacks all yes. the time. They play yeah, better I mean, with yeah. him there. You and, saw it in and, San Francisco. You saw it in yeah. Washington. Like, you see it in multiple places. Right. So, I have – okay, so Pat's three over under eight and a half. By the way, this is one of my locks. Um, well, I guess I then have to go under. I am under as well, and it is a lock, a stone-cold lock. Imagine making a lock, a, a Belichick under. I've said it all the time. Tom Brady, Crazy times Tom Brady made Bill Belichick and not the other way around. Um, Jets, over, under, five and a half. Um, I'm going to go – I'm going to go over and just say they'll get to six somehow. I'm, I'm going to do that. You and I differ. I have the slight under at five. All right, moving on yeah. to the NFC uh, – excuse me, the AFC North. How do you see it shaking out one through four? Uh, Shout out to Goldie. So, um, I'm going to go with Cincinnati one, Pittsburgh two, Baltimore three, mm. Cleveland four. Uh, yeah, because I, I just feel like I was a little high on Pittsburgh in the in the NFC preview, even though they're in the AFC. But, yeah, that was a little well, weird. The, the logical thing is obviously since I'm sure you have Cincy Pittsburgh. I mean, uh, Cincy Baltimore Pittsburgh. Cleveland. I do. I just I don't know. There's something I could just see. I I don't know. Steelers QB situation being better than people think, and the rest of the team is pretty good, except for the offensive line is pretty bad. So let's go through the over unders. Bengals over under nine and a half. I also have this as a lock. So this seems like a really low number for an AFC champion who who has gotten clearly better since last year. So I, I I'm very inclined. I'll just say over. I'm, I wonder if their schedule is just really hard, and that's the reason for this number. Guess what? I don't care because this is a lock over. If you think they're going to win the division, they're winning more than 10 games. Right. That's true. Um, and it's not even what I – they play the AFC East, which could be a bad division, aside from Buffalo. And they play the NFC South, which not is – Not a good division. Tampa, New Orleans. Um, obviously, they play the Chiefs also and the Colts. But, yeah, nine and a half. I mean, the Bengals, aside from that, they, they made the Super Bowl last year and were within one drive of winning it. Like, you could even make the case that they exceeded, you know, expectations or, or you know, if they're going to revert back to the mean. But they kept, they haven't really lost anybody of significance. Burrow is now in year three. Chase is now in year two. Higgins is now in year three. And they signed, like, three legit offensive linemen, which was their worst position group last year. So, like, I don't, I don't see what's stopping them from uh, 11 wins. I they're they're better. They're better, and I think Joe Burrow is awesome. 
Just absolutely awesome. Jamar Chase is awesome. They've got great skill positions, players. Their O-line is better. Um, they've, they've got some some playmakers on D. I, I, I think they're really good. I, I have them maybe being the second seed in the playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's definitely possible. I guess the one guy they lost was C.J. Uzoma uh, to the Jets. But they then, I believe, signed Hayden Hurst, who is like, I mean, in my opinion, pretty similar. So, yeah, yeah, he's fine. So is Uzoma. So, yeah, I mean, the Bengals, unless the AFC North ends up being better than people think, like if Baltimore is good and Pittsburgh is good, then the division gets a little tough. You know, I don't know if they might play the Browns later in the year when Watson's back, assuming he's playing. So I could, I mean, just overall nine and a half just seems too low. So you have the Steelers at two. Their over yeah. under is seven and a half. Yeah, I'll I'll take the over there. I have the slight over as well, but I think this is the year the Tomlin streak comes to an end. Is it uh, winning seasons or, or not? Yeah, over seasons? over five oh, hundred or better. Never had a never having a better. losing season. I think this is the year that it comes to an end at eight and nine. The Ravens. The number is ten and a half. Big number here. Yeah, so obviously I have to go under. Um, I I would love to. I need to read something on like we know that last year the Ravens had a ton of injuries, like before the season started and during the season. And I need to. I feel like I need to see a list of like all those players and who has returned, because like prior to last year their defense was always good and reliable, and then last year it was just horrible. But I feel like they had a ton of injuries. Um, on well, offense, that's, though, that's what Vegas is factoring in: is that the injury right, luck, the guys are coming you know, bounces back. back. Um, offense, though, it like makes me nervous. It, it's really Lamar and Andrews, and you know they hope Rashad Bateman is like a, a good number one receiver. And obviously, Lamar can do a lot of damage on the ground, like you know two and three years ago. Just I, I feel like maybe there's a chance that like, the NFL has has been able to devise a good defense against him. And, like, they don't have too many weapons where they can get around that if Lamar is shut down. So, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't shock me, obviously, if the Ravens won 10 games. But uh, being that I have the Steelers ahead of them, I'll take the under. I have the slight under. I have them at 10 and 7. I, I'm not a Lamar believer. Listen, the, the, the regular season, it may put up numbers. I'm just not a believer. And now we got the Browns. The number is 8.5. This yeah, is a uh, wild number. Yeah, it feels like they are very much enticing you to take the under. Um, if if Watson, oh, how many games is he out in the end? I forget even. Twelve. Twelve. So mm-hmm. like the Browns go five and seven, they'd have five games left. You know, like you'd have to go four and one after not playing for two years. It does seem. It seems like a high number. I'll take the under. Having said that, their offensive line is very good, and their defense is very good, and they have two really good running backs. So, like, can they get there? Can Brissett get them to, like, six and six, just winning a ton of games that are 20 to 14? No, I I don't. I don't believe so. I don't know. Amari Cooper is good. I don't really – I mean, they don't really have a receiver after that. But, I mean, Brissett, I don't think he's good, but, like, we've seen him win games – if he's got a really good team around him, I, 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 it wouldn't shock me if the Browns were like 
four and one, but then they hit like a real losing streak. And they were like, after September, everyone's talking about them. Brissett's such a good story. Uh, but then they like came back to earth. But uh, I'll take the under. I'm going to take the under, and I am putting it as my third lock. No chance they win nine games this year. I, I, I just I yeah, can't see seems unlikely. any scenario. Especially because the other three teams, at least two teams, are good. They're solid. And uh, you could easily you know, say all three are solid. So, yeah, that's – I don't know. These lines, though, when it's, like, super obvious. If it, Watson it played wonder. a full year, I think they would only be a slight over. I wonder what the line would be if he was playing maybe 10 and a half. That's also ambitious. Right. Given yeah. the way the conference is. Right. All right. So, AFC South, what do you have one through four? Uh, Colts won. I'm going to go with Jaguars two. Yes! Yes! Do it! Texans three, Titans four. Interesting. Okay, so. I have I'm going to double down if the Giants beat the Titans week one. <laughs> I have the Colts one. I have the Jaguars two. I have Tennessee three. I have Houston four. So the Colts number nine and a half. Um, I'll say over. I got the slight under. I think nine and eight wins this division. Jaguars, six and a half. Mm. See, the thing is that I, I picked them second, but it could easily be three teams of seven wins or less. Um, what is it, six and a half? Six and a half. I say they get to seven and ten. You're not going to believe this. I am putting a lock on the Jaguars over six and a half. Uh, so in the same podcast, you have a lock against Belichick and a lock in favor of the Jaguars. Not only that, but I think I took the over on the Lions win total last episode too. Strange uh, things are happening, but you know what? We're, we're rolling with it. We're rolling with right. it. So you guys, really, um, you know what it really is, though. It's your, your, it's a bet on Evan Ingram. That's what you're really betting on. I, I, I mean, I hate Evan Ingram. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's the Peyton Manning thing, right? If Trevor Lawrence is as great as everybody says he is, you know, and he has the second year Peyton Manning ascension, they're going to win a lot of games because he's going to win them a lot of games. Peyton Manning went. Three and thirteen, I think, his first year, and then went thirteen and three yes. the second year. So I, it's just I, like if that's what it is, that's what you're betting yeah, on. Yeah, I yeah, if that's what it is, I feel like that's that's analogous to the people who say Dable's gonna come to the Giants and if Daniel Jones becomes Josh Allen, then he'll be amazing. Yeah, but like, Trevor Lawrence had the pedigree since he's fourteen years that's old. That's true. Daniel Jones um, that's true. Uh, does not well. Let's let's you know. I think Daniel Jones was actually a higher pick than Josh Allen, so let's not forget that. Uh, but I mean, Lawrence. Yeah, I mean he he was just not set up to succeed last year, and you know didn't look good either. But he was a a consensus number one pick. Uh, is it? Is he have bust potential? Sure, I guess everyone does, but 
Um, they got they, they they're on their first round pick last year, Travis Etienne, who he played with at Clemson. So got the shower narrative. Uh, he missed all of last season. He's he's back this year. They have Christian Kirk, uh, still have Marvin Jones. They have Ingram. They have another. Um, they, um, they don't have DJ Chark, but they and they just traded Chanel. I feel like there's another receiver. I'm forgetting. Um, but the division just isn't so Good. strong. Uh, unless the Titans are better than we think, I, I just like I'm, I'm still shocked they were a one seed last year, um, and they lost AJ Brown. So the, the opportunity is there for the Jaguars. To, I mean, we're not saying they're going to be good, but seven and ten obviously would be good for them, and and could be good for second place. So let's uh, Tennessee. You have them fourth. I have them third. Their number is nine and a half. I think we're both on the same page with this one. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I'll say under. Um, I think it's it's very high chance Tannehill does not play out the season if if it starts going south. Um, but I also like was doubting them last year all through the season, and 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 then Henry got hurt, and they still ended up the one seed. So maybe Vrabel actually is just like a really good coach, and perhaps they have like guys on defense who are not big names, but their defense is just good. Although I don't think it really was good. Uh, they lost AJ Brown. I don't know. It's just like it's Tannehill. It's like Traylon, Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, and Derrick Henry, obviously. And like I don't, I don't know anyone else really that they have. They just lost actually in practice for the season. Um, Harold Landry, who I don't know if he led the team in sacks last year, but had a bunch. Uh, made a, they made the Pro Bowl last year. He just tore his ACL, so that's that's a big loss for them. So yeah, I'll go under nine and a half. Um, and I think we see Malik Willis this year. Really? Listen, Tannehill, for all that he gets made fun of, like he's had good numbers over the last four years. Yeah, it was it was he had really good numbers prior to last year. Last year um, he took, I know a, this, took a downturn. I know this personally because I made the mistake of drafting him in fantasy. Um thinking like just like what you just said, like no one thinks of him, but the prior two years on the Titans he was insanely efficient with touchdowns, turnovers. He was rushing a lot. And then he, he did not have a good season last year. So I can see it kind of bottoming out and, and maybe they make the transition, you know, in midseason to Willis. Yeah, I, we're on the same page. I've got under nine and a half. I just – I don't – if we're – they're going to finish also, third or fourth in the division, there's no way they're winning ten games. Right. Right, and I think this is the last, either the last year of Tannehill's deal, or they can like cut him without a dead cap space. Right. So it, when that's the case, also, you know, it's not hard to make the decision to just move on midseason. Okay, so that leaves Houston. The number's four and a half. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go over. I'm um, gonna go slight over as well. I'm not. I'm not gonna predict who they'll beat. I'm, I'll just hope that they somehow get themselves to five wins. I have the slide over as well. All right, so now the the best division in football, the AFC West, can make a case for four playoff teams here. So how do you see it, uh, you know, ending up in terms one through four? Yeah, this is this is a tough one, obviously, um, and I really do hope that. Well, I don't really care if all four teams make it. It would just be cool. Um, uh, I if not for like the bad karma that exists around this team and so I, I feel like I should not factor that in because it's not a real thing that is measurable but I'm going to go charge I, I'm going to go chargers one 
And then it even gets dicey because I really like Denver this year. I just, I just think Denver is so good. But Mahomes is my boy. I will go Chiefs number two. When I say my boy, it's because I was all in before his, his first year starting. Chiefs two, Broncos three, Raiders four. Um, and it's going to be really fun to watch these divisional games, you know, every Sunday at four o'clock. So I have the Chiefs one. I have the Chargers two. I have the Broncos three. I have the Raiders four. I contemplated flip-flopping the Broncos and the Chargers, but ultimately I just – the Chargers roster is really, really good. It's so it's so good. Yeah. And, and, I, and uh, I think Herbert is actually better than people even think, and people think he's really good. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Heads up. Joe Burrow or Justin I, I Herbert? I knew – that's so funny because – if I was going to add on another sentence, I would have asked you that exact question. It seems like, you know, they're going to be playing each other a lot, hopefully in the coming years. Like they're the same, right? They're both, both on two years already. Um, God, it's, it's really tough. I think, I think heads up, I would take Herbert because I think I've just seen more like elite type of throws from him than Barrow. But obviously, you can't lose with either one. I'm a Burrow guy over Herbert. Both guys, I would consider them top five in their position. Yeah, real shame Herbert stayed in Oregon not last year because Giants would have drafted him. That's true. Yes, they would. They would have drafted him. It's real, real shame. Um, okay, so the Chiefs, their numbers ten and a half. What do you have? Um, over. I have the over as well. In fact, that's going to be tough my for a second place team. That's going to be well. I have them first. That's going to be my fifth lock. The well, offensive will, line got yeah, better. Good. The only thing that scares me with the Chiefs, um, and I read this earlier this morning, was yeah for hardest schedules. So not only do they play obviously the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders twice each, they also play the Bucks. Bills, Rams, Bengals, Cardinals, 49ers, and Titans, and Colts. That's 14 of the 17 games. So I'm just saying they're obviously a top team, but they play 14 legit playoff teams on their schedule. That's what makes it tough to go over. Yeah. No, yeah, but I just – I think, you know, if they're one of the three best teams in the AFC, they're going to have to win over, you know – over ten and a half yeah. games. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, sure. So the Chargers, yeah, uh, their number is, was I'm nine and a half on Fanduel. Right. It got bet up to ten. Yeah, which is weird I mean, because I, you never have an even number. So what say you at ten? Yeah, I don't like. Uh, I hate when it's a round number, but obviously, if I'm choosing them to win the division, I'll go over. I am doing a push, a push at ten. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, I, you give me an even number Let's like go. that. I'm going to take. On, I'm going to take the exact win total. Unbelievable! The exact win total. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, you're basically putting it on the on the platter for me to do that. Okay, Broncos, numbers nine and a half. What say you? I wish I, I wish I knew like if the math was was feasible because I just in a vacuum I want to go over also but I don't know if that's possible as a third place team. Um, it probably is. 
Um, anyway, in a vacuum, I just like Denver over. What was it, nine and a half? Nine and a half. Yeah, well, we're I in just, agreement. Denver I have them is good. Slight, yeah, I have them in a slight over two, ten and seven. Yeah. I, I'm a Russell Wilson guy. And that leaves the Raiders over under eight and a half. Ooh. Um, man, sub 500. But, like, it's, I, I get they have Devontae Adams, Waller, Renfro. I, I feel like I need to see another season of Carr being good before I'm, like, fully bought in. But even if he is good, I don't think their defense is good. And I don't think their offensive line is good. Um, they play the AFC South, which is bad, and the NFC West, which is good. Eight and a half as the fourth seed in the division. I guess I'd go under. You and I are in agreement. I have them under as well, and I don't even think that's like an indication on how good they are. It's right, just, right. I mean, the other teams are better. They could they could easily go you know one and five in the division. You know, the rest of the division is is amazing. So who are your three or four favorite over-under bets for the AFC? Um, so just going based off memory, I think the Bengals over nine and a half um, seem just way too low for me. We're in agreement. Uh, the Chargers over nine and a half. Mm-hmm. I also like um, Titans under whatever that number was. Nine and a half. Titans under nine and a half. And um, – uh, I'm trying to think. AFC South. I really am not like super confident. Oh, Cleveland, I'll go under. So mine were the Patriots under eight and a half, the Browns under eight and a half, the Bengals over nine and a half, the Jaguars over six and a half, the Chiefs over ten and a half. And yep, those are my five. There you go. Those are their locks. So your seven playoff teams, how many of them are different from this? Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Colts, Chargers, Broncos, Dolphins. I'll – damn, because I do like that Miami coach. I will substitute Pittsburgh in for Miami. And okay. um, I guess that's all I could really do. All right, so – as people, listeners of the show know, I do my, uh, I try and do the Vegas Super Contest, basically my own style, where you give five picks against the spread each week, see how you can do. Uh, obviously, I'm not putting down the, the money necessary to be in the Vegas Super Contest, but we do it anyway. So, Shy, because we're doing this week one, I figured I'd give you uh, first tips to give your five picks, and then I'll give mine. Ooh, all right. First one, what will. I go my five, or are we going to alternate? You take one, and I'll take one. Okay. First one, I'm going to go with Texans plus eight versus the Colts. I looked at that one. It was on on the short list, but I opted for this one instead, staying in the AFC South. Jacksonville plus three and a half against the Commanders. Uh, yep, that's that's reasonable for sure. Um, right, so what what's two? Number two is I think I'm going to be stealing one from you right now. Saints minus five and a half at the Falcons. We are in agreement. 
That was that was okay. uh, that was my second one. So what do you got for three? Okay. 49ers minus seven at the Bears. Not Bears. I looked at that. I'll probably put that in a teaser, if anything. I have the Ravens minus six and a half over the Jets as three. Ooh, and no, the no, revenge game. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wilson is definitely not playing. So I don't see how the Jets stay in never, this game whatsoever. Never bet against uh, revenge. Flacco and C.J. Mosley. Um, I'll, I'll, that, I'll lay that, the points. Well, and that's the real reason for my Niners pick is the Robbie Gold revenge game at Chicago. It's good. Um, let's see. Number four, I will go with Chargers minus three and a half versus the Raiders. Staying in that division, my fourth pick is the Denver Broncos minus six and a half against Seattle. Yeah, so that seems way too obvious of a pick. And it, like, violates the holy rule of betting against a game in Seattle in prime time. But the roster disparity between the Broncos and the Seahawks, like, if this game was, like, week 10, even in Seattle at one o- 4 o'clock, like, I feel like it would be Broncos by 9 or Broncos by 10. If I'm I wrong on this one, so be it. But I just – I can't – Yeah. I can't see how – this Denver team, especially with Russell Wilson coming back. Right, you know? right. I, I can't see it. Um, but I don't want to steal that one. So we'll have another different one. I'll go with Vikings plus one and a half versus the Packers. Mm. That seems like a game where it's really going to dictate the Vikings season. Where it's like it, it, can, it, it can go one of two ways in a week one, which is crazy. But, I, you know, if they're – if they beat the Packers week one, like that's like big boy stuff right there. That would be a monster win uh, for them and their new coaching staff. I feel like that would uh, – the what came to mind was Ben McAdoo's first game with the Giants 2016, and they, they went into Dallas and won week one, uh, and they hadn't beaten Dallas in a long time. And I remember that, that you know, propelled them to an 11-5 and five season. Um, I just, I just, I'm overall high, a little higher on the Vikings this year, offensively at least. And while I, I never want to doubt Rodgers, um, perhaps it takes you know a few games for one of the receivers to emerge. He has to yeah. build some some chemistry with these guys, so I could see that. But it's also kind of like the Chargers. I just feel like the Vikings have weird things happen to them. They're and a cursed like, franchise. You know, it's Kirk Cousins, so anything is possible. But I'll take I'll, the Vikings. I'll take them as them. That well. was a stay away for me. Um, my fifth one is Tampa Bay minus one and a half against the Cowboys. Oh, I hope. I'm so. just not so. buying the Dallas thing. I'm not buying it. Yeah, uh, I feel like some people um, are not some, but like I've, there's there's negative Dallas sentiment that's going around, and I think it's I think it's warranted. Uh, but there has also been some uh, weird stuff with Tampa. And I feel like we haven't seen Brady in a long time. Uh, and I believe in Dallas. He's frustrated in his up. marriage. Guess what? He's going to take it out <laughs> on the Cowboys. I think Dallas and Tampa played last year week one in the Thursday game uh, at Tampa. So that, that was a good game, I remember. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, you know, I love watching Dallas lose, especially in prime time, showing Jerry Jones uh, upset and sad. So I hope you're right. I hope you're right with the Tampa. All right, one last thing before I let you go. 
How upset were you about the Knicks not getting Donovan Mitchell? Um, I was not so upset. Um, more uh, just, I think, like everyone's surprised that it didn't end up happening. Uh, and then they just for being the Cavs, like seemingly out of nowhere on like a random afternoon, the news just breaks. Um, it was just – it was surprising. I thought even without RJ being included that the Knicks could have beaten the Cavs' offer. Uh, I mean, that, again, also determine, uh, depends on how much the Jazz and Ainge value Sexton and how good they think he is. Uh, or not Sexton. Um, I literally always mix those two. Which one went to Utah, Sexton or Garland? It was Sexton. Yeah, Garland's an all-star. Yeah, yeah. Garland just right, signed right, the right. match I, deal. He's not I going just, anywhere. Right. I, always, I always mix those two up in my head. Um, I just so not not like you know I, I, you know I'm a Knicks fan I'm I'm a big Knicks fan I'm not a diehard fan like I am the Giants so I wonder if that would affect me differently the we had the podcast a couple of weeks ago we were discussing you know what was too much to give up for Mitchell and we both agreed there was a line so you know it's trying to even think about it. let's say the Knicks did get Mitchell but it was for a lot and more than we wanted would be also be upset at that point. But I think the real question is like, now what do the Knicks do? Where, where do they go from here? They have pretty much the same team as last year. Like they have no rookies. They basically just compiled picks that they didn't haven't used. And, you know, do you start to look well summer of 2025, they'll have all this cap space and these are the free agents and Randall will be gone. And we're like, we're so tired of thinking like two, three, four years out for like the next chance at hope. Because guess uh, what? It's never worked for the last 15 it never, years. It just never worked, has not. And, and since they got Amari and like Mello, but like that wasn't what we're talking about here. We need more than that. So the only kind of silver lining is like we've seen numerous times, including Mitchell, over the last several years where these all-stars just become available, um, you know, before they hit free agency, they demand the trade and you hope that the next time one of those happens, the Knicks are sitting there with all their picks ready to pounce. And if that's, you know, this year or next year, and then, you know, Randall maybe is a little, his contract a little more desirable because there's only two years left um, or whatever happens, you have more picks you could trade more, you know, more further out picks. So, I mean, that's what you're hoping for now. That's what would have been solved by getting Mitchell. You get that one bona fide all-star in. You still have RJ, hopefully, um, and you hope well, that I that think, I think all the, indications RJ was going to be in the deal. It had to have been in the deal. So, you hope OB, you know, I, I still think his, his production is massively capped with Randall here. But of course, because he only plays 15 minutes a game. Right. It's, it's very frustrating. But with Mitchell and Brunson and, you know, maybe Randall doesn't maybe get back to two years ago, but it's certainly better than last year. And some other stars like, hey, I like what's going on there. I want to go to New York. And that's what Mitchell then led to. So that's disappointing also. I think just the shock that it didn't end up happening um, and the fact that maybe the Cavs gave up less than what we were expecting to see. Uh, and then the third thing is like now what happens with the Knicks? Like they're going to be competing for the eighth seed next year. I think there's a better chance that they're at the bottom of the conference than them being anywhere near the eighth seed. Uh, I mean, I can't argue with that. It's in the uh, in the range of outcomes. I, I just 
you know, you compile these picks. You know, Danny Ainge was going to make the Knicks pay a, a tax, the New York tax. And at that point, just pay it. Just pay it and be done with. All right, because at least you have a direction. Paying Jalen Brunson $25 million a year as a percentage of your salary cap with no, you know, all NBA caliber player to go along with him just makes no sense. R.J. Barrett, Randall, and Brunson making 30... $340 million, that gets you 31 to 33 wins. Congrats. That, that's where we are. I will say I, I think the addition of Brunson is going to help RJ tremendously. Um, you know, I know we, we find ourselves always in chats with both ends of the spectrum, but I, I think it, it's hard to argue against the fact that RJ has not benefited from a real point guard and that Brunson will be the first and, and best one he's played with. But even though, even still, Brunson tries to get his own first, and he's a very crafty offensive player. I like him. I don't like him in this scenario. And I'll say this. If the Knicks somehow find a taker for Julius Randle right now, the offseason's a success. Uh, 100%. All right. Well, Shai... Week one is upon us. Thanks so much for doing this, um, taking time out of your Labor Day evening. And I'll speak to you soon, bud. Thanks again. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have to catch up regarding The Bachelorette. Yes, and I feel like I feel like our next podcast will be like a mid-season NFL review, and you're going to lead off with the Giants, and the question will be like, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> we know it went wrong. We're not expecting anything not to go wrong. So I'm going to be like, well, you know, Tony got injured and Jones got injured and Saquon got injured and this guy sucks and this guy sucks. Yeah. Well, hopefully not. We're going to win. We're going to beat the Titans week one. Mark it down. Mark it down. All right. Thanks again, but I'll speak to you soon. All right. See ya. Thanks again to recurring guest Shai Elberger for coming on to talk about the AFC, talking about week one bets, a little Donovan Mitchell trade. I'm still pretty miffed about it, as you can probably tell. By the way, this week marks my year anniversary at the Believe Podcast Network. It's been a great run. Hopefully that run will continue many more years. That's episode 173. For the love of the game, take us out, Birdman. First class flights, we strapped up in the trenches. We want some business, we getting it in this business. Them 10-figure blood rich gang. Fire flame spillers, burn blank. Money in the power, swag out the shower. Spinning running like some cow, bigger than life, see folk, hundred million dollars, my son born rich, black, fire flame, flame, fire flame, spittle, fire flame, fresh off fire flame, spittle, Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.